Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Adaface, alongside TalkSports football correspondent Alex Crook and the former Chelsea and West Ham left back Scott Minto as we look back on the World Cup quarterfinal defeat for England. Yeah, I know. You've seen that movie before. It's peeled towards the edge of the box. Dembele's got the ball. Here's Griezmann. Griezmann for Schuermeni. He shoots from distance and scores. 25 yards out. And he's powered well into the bottom left-hand corner. Some real cat and mouse going on between these two. It's Kane against Lloris to tie it up at 1-1 in the World Cup quarterfinal. He scores! Sent Lloris the wrong way again. First quarter of the second half. Headed away the near post by Kane. Comes back out for Kunde. Kunde hooking it first time. Abdul Hernandez, one full back to the other. And now back out for Griezmann on the left-hand touchline. Giroud attacks that and scores! Flying header from Olivier Giroud. Harry, your country is well and truly behind you. He hits it, right-footed. Oh, he's blasted it over the bar. He's missed it. It's Marcus Rashford to keep England in the World Cup. He addresses it right-footed, he's hit it, it's over the bar, under the roof of the net, and there were some in the ground that thought it was in. It's all the net billow, but it wasn't, it cleared the bar, it's kissed the roof of the net, and by the time Lloris takes the goal kick, there are only going to be seconds left, and that, I'm almost certain, is that. The full-time whistle blows, and it blows to signal the end of another England World Cup campaign. Beaten quarter-finalists. It has a familiar ring to it. Yes, heartbreak for England as they're knocked out by the reigning champions, France. Um, Hugo Lloris was pointed out as a weak link when I went to the press conference on Friday and he said, I will do my talking on the pitch. He certainly did. He made a couple of really good saves. I don't know if he had played any part in the penalty that went over the bar. and um, But it was a very deflating experience walking out of that ground last night. I think England played relatively well for most of the match. I did think that there was a moment when they could have gone on one and tried to push the issue a little bit more late in the second half. But the penalty is the defining moment, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, look, it's the it's the one we'll I think history will look back on and say that that was the one that that knocked us out of the tournament and England have a problem again with penalties. Look, in terms of the actual um, penalty itself, I cannot begin to imagine the pressure that Harry Kane was under stepping up for the first penalty 
and he stuck it in the back of the net. Brilliantly. Then, so that brilliantly. So then to go up and go again with the mind games that, that you're thinking, do I go in the same place? Do I go the other side? Hugo knows me really well. What should I do? The pressure that guy was under. I think he's gone for the end, the side that he feels comfortable with, but then gone for height, which makes it such a high tariff penalty. It really does. I mean, Lloris had to dive and I think he had to dive that way. So look, it's very easy for people to step up. You know, if he'd have gone down the middle, he would have scored. But, but you know, if's a big word. I, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of Carl Walker. I'm proud of all the players. I'm proud of the manager who kept the back four where I bet his instinct was to go with the back three. I, I'm proud of all of them when really I feel they're up against 12 men. You know, the referee was a joke. And, mm. you know, you might turn around and say, oh, well, you know, we didn't lose it because of the ref. But I, I think we did, uh, not just because of the ref, but the decisions he made in the first half. And he didn't even want to give the penalty on Mason Mount. He was there, he saw it, and he didn't want to give it. And, and just the general other little decisions, the fouls that he that he didn't give. I'm, 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 I'm proud to be English. I'm proud of the players that stepped out on behalf of my country. Yep, I must admit there's a feeling of that and also there's a feeling of pride in the fact that they took the game at times to France. Also that they reacted, you know, in the first half they were probably the second best team in that game, but they reacted and did well and took charge of the match in the second half, created chances, went on the front foot, got Saka and Foden more into the game. I thought it was a terrific response from Gareth Southgate's team. I think you're right about the referee, very difficult to come, to, to, to have a conversation about this match without getting really irritated by the fact that he seemed reluctant to give so many fans. I mean, he allowed Bukayo Saka to get kicked out of the game, pretty much, let's be honest. You know, Bukayo ends up hobbling out of the match as a result of the attention that he was getting. But it was the same for both sides. I know that he made some mistakes on the other side of the ball as well. So you can't say too much about that. And he did give England two penalties. So you've got to be a little bit balanced and say... He didn't yeah. want to, Sam. He didn't want to. He only gave us one penalty and then he was told to give the, the second penalty. True. I mean, it was, Absolutely. It was clear. It was clear. So, you know, on slow motion and on VAR, that man could not have given as a penalty. But so often we talk about these quarterfinal defeats or semi-final defeats and we're bemoaning the fact that we haven't had enough possession. We didn't create enough chances. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. You know, we passed the ball more times than they did. We had 57% possession. We had eight shots on target to their five, 16 shots overall. You know, we had more touches in their box. <laughs> how do we not win the game? I mean, how did we not win the game, Crook? I don't have the answer. Um, I thought they were outstanding, particularly in the second half. A really fearless performance. Credit to Gareth Southgate for not reverting to a back three, as I think maybe was in his mind coming into the tournament, but he realised actually 4-3-3 had worked so well. They took the game to the world champions. And I think if it was played 10 more times, England would win it eight or nine. Um, they really they really couldn't have done much more. If, if you're being hyperly critical, you mentioned it. Saka was kicked out of the game. I think possibly he could have taken him off a few minutes earlier because the winning goal came down that right-hand side. Maybe a fully fit, fully mobile Saka could have done a bit more to help his team in that situation. The referee was appalling. And actually, by him not giving the penalty straight away, I think it, it, it helped France because there was a long delay while the VAR review was going on. There were some mind games from the French team. And that just piled the pressure 
on Harry Kane. And the reason that he's wellied it into the crowd is because he's up against his, his Tottenham teammate, Hugo Lloris. He knows that Lloris uh, will be aware of, of what, he, what he does with penalties. So he felt he needed to give it that little bit extra. And obviously he's given it that, that little bit too much. I wonder with hindsight, and this would have been a massive call, having scored the first penalty, should he have let somebody else take the second potentially? But we'll never know if the outcome would have been well, different. It was, it was fascinating because Enia Luko said that after the game and uh, ended up getting a lot of stick for even suggesting it, which I think was completely ridiculous. Why can't you ask that question? You know, it was, there's no, Listen, I, I wouldn't have suggested that Harry Kane didn't take it because Harry Kane scored 17 penalties for England. So you would trust him to do it. But there's no reason why you can't raise that as a prospect, as you have just done. Um, the fact is, is that... Harry had told us the day before that he doesn't really take penalties against uh, Hugo Lloris at all. When it's at top, usually when he stays out before a match to practice penalties, he does it against the second or third choice goalkeeper. So he hasn't seen them in in that sort of scenario before. But um, the fact is, is that with any penalty at a World Cup, there's massive pressure to take a second one is huge. And you're right to say about the VAR delay. But there was a suggestion to me that actually... What happened was is that Harry had realised last minute, last second, that Hugo Lloris was going to his right-hand side because Harry loves to go to that top left-hand corner and thought, I need to give it a little bit more just because you could see Lloris was going the right way so he needed to hit it harder. And in doing so, ended up blazing it over the bar. God, he blazed it over the bar by some distance as well. I mean, that was, uh, it was proper. Yeah, it, it was. Um I mean, look, Gary Lineker did it in 1990, didn't he? Um, two penalties against Cameroon. Yeah, and, I mentioned it during the game. Yeah, right. I mean, I was at a corporate gig. Let's just say it was very, very loud. So I was trying to listen to you, mate, but um, I could leave <laughs> all the time. Um, so you could have put it on mute. It probably would have been better for you. Not at all. Uh, yeah, it was, look, it, imagine if, if he'd have said to someone else, go on, you step up and take it, and they're the mist. I mean, it had got even more stick. Absolutely, um, and he shouldn't get any stick for for missing this penalty. Anybody who has stepped up to take a penalty um, under a pressure situation times it by a million, and then he still wouldn't wouldn't have been experiencing what Harry Kane would have been experiencing in that particular. So I think any ex footballer will you'll never hear anyone having a go at Harry Kane for for the penalty. And yes, he, as I say, he tried to make it really high tariff, and um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But I totally agree with Cro Crookie in the sense that we went toe to toe with. The, the world champions, current world champions, now the favourites, I'm sure. And I felt that while you have to give massive credit to Morocco for getting to the semi-finals, this does feel like a missed opportunity. But on another day, I don't know about eight or nine times out of ten, but six or seven times out of ten, we'd have beaten France. And I just feel we're, we're close. We are really, really close and because of the fact that the proximity of the next European Championships is just 18 months away, and you know, talking to Gareth, they'll tell you that in terms of the defeats like this, they, they are the ones that are building blocks to greater success because you learn so much from them. Do you think he stays on as a result of that? I mean, the suggestion is that he, he may well quit after this. I hope he stays on um, because there's nobody better available at the moment, nobody the England fans would stomach anyway. I mean, for me, Maurizio Pochettino would be a terrific England manager, but he's Argentinian, so that's a very difficult sell for the majority, I think, of England supporters. If you're looking at homegrown managers, Eddie Howe isn't leaving Newcastle anytime soon. Graham Potter 
isn't doing particularly well at Chelsea, but you struggle to get him out of there as well. Steve Cooper's been suggested, but he's yet to prove himself at uh, the highest level. So I think I think Gareth Southgate's a good guy. I think he's somebody who wouldn't want to leave um, the England team in the lurch. I think he's somebody who wouldn't want to leave these players in the lurch. And I think they're desperate for him to say we could see that uh, with some of the comments that came out from within the dressing room straight after the game. But it's a tiring job. How many England managers, if any, have taken charge of uh, teams at four different tournaments? I'm not sure anybody has done that. So I can understand why he's going to take stock and contemplate his next move. But the majority of this team will still be there in 18 months' time, maybe even at the next World Cup, with the exception of likes of Jordan Henderson and Carl Walker. There's some exciting young talents. There's a generational talent, uh, maybe two generational talents in Phil Foden and Drew Bellingham. So the future is bright. The caveat to that is that since 1966, England still haven't beaten a major nation away from Wembley in a knockout tournament. And that is... Not, uh, not, not since 1966. England have never beaten a major team in a, in a knockout game at a tournament on foreign soil. And that's soil. a who they've got to overcome. It's never happened. They've never won a big game away from home. And that is a major problem. And, and look, we, everyone's been very, very kind this morning because I think we all recognise how much effort has gone into what England have done over the last few years, but also what went into this tournament. And they were very, very good at this tournament. And you can look at them and think probably the two best teams in the tournament were those who met last night. However, again, England have fallen short at this particular hurdle. And I don't want to say it was Gareth Southgate's fault. I'm a big Gareth Southgate supporter. But is there something in the mentality of the group? It might not be a Gareth Southgate problem. It might just be an England problem. Is there something in the mentality of the group? Is there something in the mentality of the country? Is there? It, was it just rank bad luck? Should they have done something else? Was there something? Was there a criticism that you've got of, of maybe a bit of inertia? Should, should they have made a change earlier? Is there anything that you can offer that is a slight criticism of what happened? Or do you sometimes just have to accept, Scott, that actually it just wasn't your day? You know what? I, I, I hate sort of hearing and people saying, you know, about luck. Because I, I think you kind of make your own luck. But that sometimes you can do everything right and it still doesn't come in, in, with the outcome that you want. We went toe-to-toe with the current world champions and the team that's probably, probably going to go out now and, and lift it again. And we're all feeling that we should have won. Gareth Southgate, if we'd have lost in a similar pattern, going three at the back, there's the stick to beat Gareth Southgate with. He changed it, three at the back, conservative. He didn't. He was still bold. We went out in the way that the nation wanted us to go for it. And we did. And we were the better side. You, you talk about the stats. We, we, I'm not going to say we dominated France. Fair play to France for nicking the game because that's what they did. They nicked the game and that's what big teams do. But I don't feel there's anything we could have done. Sometimes, Sam, sometimes you can do everything right and it still doesn't come for the outcome that you're looking for. And I just feel with this group of players, they're getting older, getting more experienced. We are knocking at that door. And if you look at France before they won the, the 2018 World Cup as well, they were knocking at the door and had a few setbacks. We'd just go again. And I really, really hope that Gareth Southgate stays on. He might have had enough. The FA will not sack him. They wouldn't have done beforehand anyway because he's the perfect FA man. But it's on his terms. I just hope he goes away 
has a few months off, comes back and says, you know what, we really can do it in Germany. Uh, David Walsh in the Sunday Times uh, this morning, Southgate took over a broken squad, but he created a far healthier culture. I think that sort of is testament to his holistic work behind the scenes and the way that the group behave. Uh, another crawl exit, says Jonathan Northcroft for England after Kane's late penalty miss. Um, Mbappe's tamed Henry Winter, but this hurt. Reputations enhanced as England go toe-to-toe with the best. And Matt Dickinson, Bellingham shows why there is hope for the future. And I suppose that sort of echoes what Scott is saying there. There is a lot of talent, young talent in this group that can go on and have a great England career. But there are also some who have come to the end of their England journey over the last day or so. I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the last we saw of Jordan Henderson in an England shirt at a major tournament. He's played at six. We may not see Carl Walker again at a major tournament. He's 32 now. Um, Harry Kane might not make the next World Cup in four years' time, bearing in mind he's 29 and those ankles are already fused to within an inch of their life. So um, it might be a different England that goes to the European Championships and an even greater uh, alternative group that go to the World Cup in two years' time. Yeah, but there are young players coming through, players that didn't even make this squad. Players like Harvey Elliott at Liverpool, I think, will be a big part of, of England's future. Harry Kane will be desperate to go again at the next World Cup. I think I feel sorry for, for Harry Kane because I never felt like he was 100% fit this tournament. I don't think we did see uh, the best of Harry Kane. It wasn't for a lack of effort or endeavour, but that extra spark for me was just lacking. If it is Carl Walker's last World Cup, then what a way to go out because he absolutely did a job on Kylian Mbappe. And I'm going to salute Harry Maguire as well because you know that I've given him a lot of criticism over the past year or so for his club form at Manchester United. I was worried going into this game because I didn't think he was uh, particularly good against Senegal. He was excellent for England. Arguably one of their better players. Defensively, resolute. Didn't make any, any of the sloppy passes that we saw against Senegal. Carried the ball. Uh, up the field really well at times. And I think he has come through a real test of mental fortitude. So there are positives all over the pitch. Marcus Rashford, so close, so close. I was right behind the goal uh, to taking the game to extra time with that free kick. That was a yard further back. That's in the top corner. And he's one of the few players at this World Cup who seems to have mastered uh, taking free kicks with that ball. So there are so many positive signs for England. I think it would be a, a real shame if Gareth Southgate was to walk away now. Can, can I just echo that on Harry Maguire as well? The pressure on that guy. We talk about pressure Harry Kane taking as penalties. The pressure on Harry Maguire going into the World Cup where it seemed like the, the, the whole nation wanted him out. I didn't even want him in the squad, let alone in the team. And I, I, I did a, a function on the, the first day of the World Cup and I was asked to pick my England team. And I said, oh, you want me booed now, don't you? Because I'd have Harry Maguire in it. And everyone went, boo, you know. He was nothing short of sensational. Walking out for your country where you want to feel the pride of uh, where everything needs to be right mentally. And it so wasn't for him. So his performances, again, nothing short of sensational. Again, I, I'm very proud of that man too. Um, Crook, do you have to hold your hand up and say that you got it wrong with Gareth Southgate and his team selection then? Because you were, you were very sort of ardent that... Maguire shouldn't be in the squad. He wasn't really playing any any any, any matches. How, how was he in the actual team? And, you know, we said right from the beginning, he's going to play Harry. I don't know Maguire. if I said that. 
So, well, you were, you, that. You, you were you were quite you were quite strong about him not being involved. You didn't want no. you, you didn't think he was in great form for his club. No, I didn't. But I knew that Gareth Southgate would pick him, and I knew that he hadn't let England down. So I I don't think. Listen, you could possibly find the audio and prove me wrong, but I don't think I ever came out and said that he shouldn't be um, in the squad. Um, you probably did. You probably said no, everything. There was no real replacement. He shouldn't be in the squad. He must be in the squad. He was in the team. He was brilliant. <laughs> he was rubbish. You probably said all four of those things over the course of the last. I would month. I would have said that I was worried. <laughs> I, think, I think what I did say was that Harry Maguire petrifies me uh, yeah. because his last performance. For Manchester United in that League Cup tie against Aston Villa was in keeping with what we see. That, that that's probably not. You're not the only person to have said that. And you're certainly not the only person to be skeptical about his involvement. So the reason I bring it up is I wonder if there's people that are thinking this morning, and the reason why there's a bit of sort of I don't know. Um, it's probably a little bit more sympathy towards Gareth Southgate is because it looks like he actually got the decisions right. All the decisions that he made. You know, everyone criticised, always gives him a little bit of stick, probably maybe too much stick. But actually, and Didier Deschamps alluded to it in the press conference as well, you know, you don't appreciate this guy as much as other people from the outside do. You know, will people look at this now and go, do you know what? Let's back off a little bit. This guy's actually a little bit more in tune with what's the right thing to do than, than we are. We should just trust him. Or do you think this is the... And not, and think... no one's going to do that. I think this is the tournament where Gareth Southgate came of age um, because I'll stand by my criticisms of the last two tournaments. I think he made mistakes in that semi-final against Croatia. England should have won that. They'd have lost the final to France, but they should have been in the World Cup final. They made mistakes and won the lap against Italy. His in-game management was poor in that final. They should have been crowned European champions. I don't think he could have done much more um, in this tournament. Obviously, there was criticism early on for not using Phil Foden uh, regularly enough, but... It, he did it in the big games and, and Foden uh, turned up and showed what a good player he is. I think the fact he was brave with his uh, formation, as he did, I think the players wanted him to be in this game against France, is a big tick in, in Gareth Southgate's box. So I can't criticise him for this tournament and I can't criticise his decision to pick Harry Maguire. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. OK, let's uh, have a quick look at the other quarterfinal because despite the fact uh, that uh, 
we've all been writing out our World Cup wall charts for probably two or three weeks, a bit like our criticisms of of team selections and who should be in the squad. We're all rubbing it out furiously and changing it once again because Morocco are in the World Cup semi-final. Yes, the first African nation to do so, an Arab nation at an Arab World Cup making the last four. The goal from Yusuf El Nasiri um, after 42 minutes was the defining factor. I'm still struggling, Scott, to work out who bought the stepladder on for him to get that high to head that ball in. How did he get so high up in the air? It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was almost like a Cristiano Ronaldo type leap, wasn't it? Um, look, I, I, I've got I've got to be honest, I, I got this one totally wrong. You know, I thought being the first Arab nation to get to the quarters, I thought the physical aspect of playing 120 minutes against Spain, plus the emotional aspect of, of penalties as well, would be too much for them against a team that put six past their opponents in the last round and could coast some half-time. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, it, they are a difficult side to play against and France will not have it easy. But it's just amazing, with, you know, with Aguerd out, many strapped up, Saiz couldn't last an hour, and yet they went and couldn't Portugal could not break them down. And um, It was brilliant defending, Scott, wasn't it? Yeah. It was absolutely sensational defending. And one of the things that I was really impressed with, something that we've done badly over the years, is that when we were in that situation, we dropped so deep and we're on the edge of our own penalty. They squeezed right up towards the halfway line. They kept pushing, pushing, pushing to try and keep the ball as far away from the penalty area as possible. It was brilliant, a brilliant approach. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the manager, what was it, September? He, he took yeah. over. Five weeks or six weeks before the tournament, I think. Nothing short, again, of sensational. And this is a wonderful story. And in many ways, you kind of, if you're going to lose, you almost want to lose to the eventual winners. You can say, oh, well, you know, we, we lost to the winners. But I, I'm, I'm torn now as to who I want to win the World Cup because it's a wonderful story for Morocco. And it would be a great story for, for African football and Arab football as well. Um there's Lionel Messi on the other side, who I, who I absolutely love. But look, to, to get clean sheets against both Spain and Portugal, they fully deserve to be in the semi-final. Yeah, they certainly do. Portugal did not. I thought they were really poor. I thought Bruno Fernandes and Bernardo Silva, I mean, I, I couldn't really work out what on earth they were doing, especially late in the second half. I mean, they had this panic, real panic with 20 minutes to go. and They just kept flinging balls into the box and trying sort of stuff that wasn't going to come off. But also Bruno Fernandes and, and Bernardo Silva playing almost as two sixes so deep. They were, they were picking the ball up off their goalkeeper, trying to start play. It was too, they were far too far and disconnected from their forwards and their attacking midfield players. It was, it was, it was head scratching. It really was. Um, and they, we've got to also remember that Morocco played the last couple of minutes for, uh, with 10 men because yeah. Walid Chidiri was sent off two, um, yellow cards in 75 seconds, which was amazing. Uh, Ronaldo heartbroken. Uh, he was seen leaving the pitch in tears, which was really good of the cameraman who followed him all the way to the dressing room. Um, didn't make any impact off the bench. He came into the game with five minutes after half time. It probably is his last World Cup appearance. I'm sure you were absolutely gutted for him, weren't you, Crook? Devastated. And uh, I just want to say Morocco, FIFA, Coach Santos, they've just shown so much disrespect um, for the greatest goal scorer of all time. I'm sure Piers Morgan is on standby to greet Ronaldo when he lands back in Lisbon to do a tell-all interview about his dreadful World Cup experience. 
listen, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I, I think karma um, can be a strange beast and Ronaldo's World Cup experience compared to his great rival, uh, Lionel Messi, was poles apart, really. Uh, but credit to Morocco. You've often said it, Sam, that defence wins titles. How many goals have they conceded, Morocco, in this tournament? One, I think. That is a phenomenal effort. And uh, I agree with Scott. I thought this game would probably be going too far. I didn't expect Portugal to be quite as poor as they were, but take nothing away from Morocco to, to, to find the energy levels to go again, knowing they're on the cusp of history. Uh, I think it's testament to the coach, testament to the squad. And even as I was making my way back from our bite last night at what? Two o'clock in the morning, there were Moroccan fans everywhere, beeping their horns, waving their flags. If it was to be Morocco against Messi's Argentina in the World Cup final, that atmosphere would be electric. Oh, yeah. Um, and do you know what? There's a part of me that thinks we probably need that to happen on the basis that it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Hold on. Have Morocco actually conceded a goal yet? They, they beat Belgium. They drew nil-nil. They beat... Um, who else did they beat? They beat uh, oh, Canada. They conceded one goal against Canada. Yes, I was right first time. One goal they conceded. Nil-nil and then one-nil. Yes, they won. Yeah. Alfonso Davies, I think, the only player to score against. Yeah, yes, it's just like the weirdest World Cup in history. Um, but the um, yeah, you're right about the atmosphere because when we lost Brazil the other night, I was like, oh, this is not going to go down well because if you've been here, you know that most of the supporters are Brazilians and Argentinians. And, you know, to lose Brazil... On Friday, I think the, the, the tournament probably lost something. The fact that then went to penalty kicks after Argentina had done quite well to get themselves into a 2-0 lead and then all of a sudden the momentum had shifted. I started to think, oh God, we're not going to lose Argentina at the same time as well, are we? Because as much as I don't mind the Dutch going through, the, the tournament will go very flat very quickly. Yeah, so to lose those, that would be bad. But the Moroccans have been adopted by the Qataris. So when you walk around now, there's lots of billboards with yeah. the Moroccan flag on here. And so very much that there will be a local team to support for the Qataris. So I think the atmosphere will be good over the next couple of days. Um, what uh, semifinals are you going to, Crook? Have you, have you found out yet? Are you doing anything I don't know yet, that? but um, I'm hoping to get to both. Um, certainly, I'd like to go to Argentina against Croatia. Um, but I think they're both going to be, they're both going to be fascinating. Um, not the semifinals, that we were expecting when he stretched the imagination, but that's the World Cup and that's this World Cup in particular. Um, I woke up this morning feeling very flat. I went to bed last night feeling devastated, but I'm going to rally myself, spend a bit of time by the pool and uh, look forward to the rest of the tournament. <laughs> Get yourself down to that Adidas store, pick yourself up another shell suit, uh, going in new Hyundai that uh, you've been sponsored to, to, to drive and you'll be, that'll cheer you up. That'll cheer you up. Well, the, you know, the boot room is coming live from the Adidas uh, hub. No, there's, uh, this a there's, so, a there's a shot. There's a shot. There's a shot. It's will, about minus I'll, six over here in England, and he's saying about how he's going to go to the polls. Outrageous, isn't it? He's so in tune with the general public and the, and, and the football supporting public. He's changed that, lad. He has changed. I know. I'm a man That's of the outrageous. people. I'm, you know I'm going to go to do today. I'm going to watch Burnley versus QPR. <laughs> it's four. Oh, is it one o'clock kickoff? Back home, it's four o'clock kickoff here, so I'm going to go and watch Burnley versus QPR today. That's 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 my job for the you day. Love I think. It, you? you love and it. then and then get ready for Argentina 
against the Croatia, which is uh, I'm doing live on uh, Tuesday night. And I'm going to go and watch France against Morocco on Wednesday as well. Right, uh, Scott, thank you very much. Enjoy uh, your week. Hopefully we'll speak to you uh, ahead of uh, the semifinals or after one of the semifinals later in the, the week. And uh, we'll preview the uh, the big final. I think we're doing that together, aren't we, later on, on Thursday? Like that. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll be back on what day is it? Tuesday morning, and we will look ahead to all of the semi final action. Make sure you join us for that. The Game Day podcast from Talksport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.